0: Hello, magic seekers. You are listening to the Little Scraps of Magic podcast, where you're invited to journey to the depths of your soul in search of pleasure, peace, truth, and grit. Here, you'll go within as you listen to conversations, meditations, and life lessons that will guide you back to your power, help you regulate your nervous system, and remind you that magic is real. I'm your host, Steph Traska, a life and embodiment coach energy worker, mom of two crazy little boys, and at my core, a wild earth goddess. Whether you're in an energetic space of power and joy, or you're feeling shattered and stuck, it's my mission to nourish you back to your divine wholeness so that you step into your day and life with deep trust and an open heart. Now take a cleansing breath and open yourself up to receive today's Little Scrap of Magic.
1: Anything you want to do, only see a start. Looking all the way, up. we've got all the time. Let's find a
0: better view. Hello, loves, and welcome back to another episode of the Little Scraps of Magic podcast. I have here with me today my friend Marie Casey, who is a holistic life coach for people who are transitioning through a challenging season of life. Her purpose is to light up others so they can bring their purpose into the world. Marie is also the host of a podcast, Where Wild Grows. It's a show that's rooted in exploring our inner landscapes to heal and thrive in our lives. She lives in the Midwest, just like me with her two wild and free boys where they spend their free time exploring the outdoors. I am so excited to have Marie here to speak with me today. We met... I probably couldn't trace it back exactly as far as it goes because we met through Instagram. So that could mean, you know, four and a half years ago when I started my account chronicling our Montessori journey at home with my first son, Bruce, because believe it or not, that is how Little Scraps of Magic really started. It's not it was not what it has become now. But we got particularly close and more connected in the last couple of years after I had my second son. Marie had her second son. So Everett was born about two and a half years ago. And I'll, of course, let Marie tell her story of when her son was born and how certain things began to shift in her life. But those of you listening, if you have heard the first few episodes of my podcast, you will know that I struggled with postpartum depression, postpartum rage after having Everett. And that's when I began to do my healing work and my spiritual awakening happened. And Oh, it was a really tough time in my life, though, before I began to heal. And I remember having these voice memos back and forth with Marie, where we were kind of admitting to each other all of the, the hardships that we were facing and all of the things that we felt in our bodies or the things that we didn't feel in our bodies that we felt tremendous guilt and shame over. And we were both working through that in our own ways. And it felt like such a relief to hear that someone else was going through something similar because I know for me, what I had heard upon welcoming a second child, a desired pregnancy, a desired child into my life is your heart just grows. Your heart just grows and you make space for that baby and it's perfect. And oh, you'll like it. You can't imagine it any other way. And I love Everett more than life itself. But I didn't have those feelings. And I really spent a lot of time giving my heart space to rearrange because in my my experience, it didn't grow. It felt really tight. And how, how do I do this? And a lot of other emotions were coming to the surface. And it takes you being honest with yourself to be able to work through that. And so that's where we made our connections. But I also want to point out, some of the other things as we worked through our trauma and through our grief and our sorrow and our pain and all of those things around expanding our hearts and our homes to include two wonderful little boys, we also connected on things such as being highly sensitive person or HSP. So that's something we'll chat about today because I think it pertains to a lot more of the population than anyone really realizes. So perhaps someone listening, you may be a highly sensitive person and perhaps you're not aware of it yet. So we'll chat a little bit about that. And then the most exciting, fun thing that I want to talk about is Outlander and witchy magic, because in our healing journeys, both Marie and I um Really began to get close to the veil and making contact with different parts of ourselves that lived other lives. And we'll get into all of that later. I don't want to jump the gun and get away from it right now, but that is what you can expect to hear on this episode. And as always, it'll be free form too. So, you know, wherever the wind takes us. But all of that aside, Marie, I would love you
1: being our guest to give you some time to speak. So, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is just such a treat being here getting to talk with you. I mean, we talk all the time, but having this carved out space is really beautiful. So, thank you. And yes, I concur with everything you said and everything that we've connected with. Um, the postpartum depression was definitely definitely when we started connecting regularly. I know I used to share on Montessori as well. And I knew, you know, I was aware of your account and followed you before then. But um, around the time that you were going through a transition in your life, I started going through mine. And for me, it looked very similar. I think it started now that I look back on it in pregnancy. I had a really, really hard pregnancy. Both pregnancies were hard, but this one. From 20 weeks on, I was in active labor, and in and out of the hospital. Thankfully, I swear through willpower, not dilating enough to have to be admitted and have a preemie. Um, but it was just nonstop. So I know the depression was there, but what I think, my second child always say he's my catalyst for self-discovery in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise had. I think with his birth came a death inside of me and not, thankfully, not in a lifelong death of, you know, completely losing my soul myself, but in a death of it wasn't this blossoming where my heart opened and was ready to be able to hold two babies in my heart. Well, of course, I also I love him dearly. And, you know, I'm every bit as close to him as my first. It's not like they said it would be it's not this, you know, suddenly you're just like, look at me, I'm mom of two babies. For me it was that previous me had to die first to be able to grow and and hold that in myself.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, I would love to just stop you there and talk a little bit more about that. I'm just nodding my head furiously with everything you're saying because it was so similar for me in terms of my second Everett being the catalyst for my rebirth and um I love how you put it, that it required a death of you before you could go through that rebirth. And as I felt similarly. I began working with goddesses during that time. So just learning about them, just the way someone might learn about something in the Bible, right? About disciples. I don't know. I'm really not seasoned with religion at all. <laughs> but just turning to these figures for strength and support and Kali, a Hindu goddess, was one that I felt really supported me. She's known as the goddess of divine destruction, and she can get a bad rap because like, she can be seen as this blood-drinking demonic force that is destroying everything. But when you look more closely, what she is calling you to destroy are the things that are holding you back from your highest potential, from who you are meant to be and what you are meant to be. And so I would love to hear from you, was there a force, whether it was a goddess or something like that, but an outside force that really helped you to see that, yes, a part of me does need to die and that death is not a failure. It's actually a step in the right direction towards my expansion, towards my growth.
1: So yes and no. Uh, no for the postpartum depression, that was just constant repeating in my head I know what this is and it's going to pass I know what this is it's going to pass and I had been a doula in a in a previous life this life not past lives and I knew from that experience that things like touching and smelling my baby and nursing and doing whatever I could you know skin to skin would keep those hormones and those emotions going under the surface until that that top layer disappeared And I did eventually have the sensation of, oh, I always, I always felt connected to him. I always like, like it was almost like once all of that died away and the storm cloud passed, then I was able to access that. But my life very quickly snowballed into just a completely different life. Uh, My marriage had a lot of issues that came to the surface. Our new baby was diagnosed as deaf, and that was a whole thing too wrap our minds around and learn what parenting was going to look like. And as of January of this year, 2023, I became a solo mom. And even though I kind of just gritted my teeth and got through those hard times, just this force in my head of it's going to pass, it's going to pass. Whenever I did become a solo mom, then I really just started to like turn into that green goo phase of transformation of just like, I have to just let go, stop gritting my teeth. Stop trying to cling to this. I have to let go. And it was around that time that I started learning about goddesses and specifically the gods and goddesses of my ancestors. I feel very close and connected to my Scottish heritage. And my DNA, even though I've got others, is actually a huge portion of it is Scottish and Scottish Norwegian, which is like the top of Scotland, like the ancient back when the Vikings came over and they, you know, intermingled and everything. So I started kind of dipping my toes in that. And the goddess that really helped me, that really helped put everything in perspective was the Scottish goddess, the Kayak. And the Kayak is the, the crone of winter. Some people call her the winter goddess. She is like, like your goddess, a lot of times seen as the goddess of destruction and death. But actually, if you go far back into her mythology, she is the goddess of creation. And I feel like she really taught me that creation starts with death. Creation starts with darkness. Creation doesn't come from this bright, growing thing. You know, just like in the womb, we start in darkness and a lot has to happen in the dark before it comes to the surface. And I really held that. And then past that, I started to feel really connected to the goddess Freya, the Norse goddess. And Freya, to me, embodied this hope of stepping forward, not only was she strong, but she was also playful, which which gave me permission to, I don't know, if you don't know about Freya, she she rides a chariot pulled by cats, <laughs> just like house cats. And like, what a playful embodiment of a goddess. And that really guided me in this last year of transition of making sense of what I've been through, you know, having my second child, everything going on with my marriage, becoming a solo mom, all of that. So I have, I've, I've had a lot of connection in that way. And I'm so grateful for it because it really helps you stay strong when you have those, those um, examples.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Is Freya too, the goddess of sensuality or sexuality? Yes, I have a wonderful goddess oracle deck and I've pulled her a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah. And there is something that happened for me with my spiritual awakening and my growth that I began to really accept all the parts of me, both the rage, the anger, the grief, right? And that's where Kali stepped in. And I love that you mentioned tapping into goddesses and spirits from your ancestry. I've definitely done the same and I am a quarter Scottish. So, you know, we can dip into that too. I don't know a lot of the history as you do. I know you really get into that and I'm like, facts, what are those? I never remember them, but (laughs) I feel emotionally and spiritually that closeness and that call to be connected in some way with my ancestral roots. And, you know, that led me to women's circles and all these other incredible healing modalities that I know you have dipped into as well. And and we'll go there. But what I wanted to say as as I got on my tangent, yeah, that's me, is um, accepting all the parts of myself. And Kali was, you know, and I'm part Indian too, so I have Hindi grandparents. And so that's where that comes into play for me. Accepting the darkness, accepting the rage, and working in allyship with it, but then the sensuality and sexuality has been another part of my journey that I would not have expected when I started the healing process. You know what i what I discovered about myself, and I'd be curious to know if you had a similar experience because I just see us as such mirrors of each other and so many of our stories. But when I started learning about energy work and having Reiki, I was constantly told like you are encased in armor especially around the heart space like you have just repressed so many of your emotions um and i remember around that time too with being physically intimate with with my husband who i've been with for at that point 13 years um i didn't want to look in his eyes when we were having sex that felt too intimate for me i was like no like we can just look the other way and like just have our bodies that's fine and so when you mentioned Freya, the reason I'm getting into all this is I'm like, oh, Freya, goddess of sexuality, sensuality, and welcoming that part of us as like pure. You know, I feel like we are so taught to carry shame and guilt around our sensuality and sexuality. And so to see it as really just a part of both our human existence and like, wow, the experience of pleasure, but also as our spiritual existence, like it is a spiritual experience to be in your body in that way. And that's something that I really been able to tap into in the last couple of years. So I would be curious to hear if you're open to sharing any of your experience on at all.
1: Yes, um, absolutely. It, It completely mirrors my experience, too. I feel with this transformation came just a sudden uncomfortableness inside my own skin, inside the ways that I've been in my life and how I, you know, how I embody myself and interact with the world or the people around me. And absolutely, sexuality is something that's been a dirty word. I mean, I grew up in a very religious household and community, so a very purity culture. And even the term sensuality, until I looked it up and read the definition that sensuality is experiencing the world through your senses, oh, it brought up so much anger for me. I'm like, I, I have repressed this whole side of life and experiencing because of this fear of being dirty or being used or broken or whatever. Um, And I think being a mother in particular, it's such a surprising thing when your sexuality and sensuality comes up for you at that time in your life, which, you know, when you think about it, it's completely natural. I mean, so much of motherhood is so deep and ingrained in our bodies. So, of course, it's so tied to how we move and feel and experience. Of course, sexuality is going to come up for that. But it's a hard thing to erase those old thought patterns and everything. So it's something that I've had to explore and learn about in myself, and I'm still exploring and learning about, and then what that means as a solo person now, and and how that looks in life. And for me, I so I grew up being very aware that I am bisexual, and I don't I don't even often use the term because it seems it feels like such an ingrained part of me that you know I'm. I have an open capacity for love and and attraction but it's something that now that I've gone through this this shift and this transformation and discovery that I've really let myself explore. I mean even though I was aware of that part of myself, I I grew up where I had male boyfriends, I was married to a man, you know, I on the outside looked very traditional. <laughs> so Allowing myself within this container of self-discovery, within this experience of really letting myself melt away and discover what's underneath and what the bones of me are and what my DNA carries and all of that, it's been a really beautiful experience. There's so much more to me than I ever let myself feel before. And connecting with my senses and touch and smell and movement. Movement is huge, especially intuitive stretching or dancing or singing or anything like that. Just, you know, letting that expression come through myself. I feel like it's been really important. I know that that's something that's really big for you, too. Um, a static dance and all of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: And one of the things that came up listening to you speak, too, it reminded me of my experience in tapping into these parts of myself, the parts that I felt shame or just disconnection with, like disassociation and disconnection with. And that was very much my body. It was always in my mind, like from what I'd seen around me used performatively and for the pleasure of others. And so I, you mentioned, you know, now being a solo mom and exploring your bisexuality and your sensuality and all of these things. It's like, I think there's so much power. In doing things on our own in that way, I think we again are just our bodies are so conditioned that if we're doing something in private, we're by ourselves, it can have this layer of shame with it. Like, oh, I must be doing something wrong. It must be dirty. It must be bad. I need to hide it. I need to tuck my tail between my legs. I don't want to get caught doing this. I remember for me, um, and I'm sure like anything that I I, any journey that I'm on, any exploration that I'm in, my husband is always in support of. And And gives me the space for it. But I remember telling him specifically when I started on on this whole awakening process, both with my spirituality and with my relationship with my body, sensually and sexually, telling him, like, I need sex to be off the table. I need a lot of things to be off the table, quite frankly. I was like, I really feel like I need to do a lot of exploration by myself. I'm going to be ordering books. I'm going to be listening to podcasts. You're going to see some things around here that you usually haven't seen. And I need no commentary, not even if it's loving and affectionate. I just feel insecure and self-conscious about the changes that are about to happen. But there's no denying they're happening. Like, I have to learn these things. I have to explore these things. And I really feel like I want to do it solo. And so, just even voicing that, I feel like wiped away some of the shame. Like, I was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, it's okay, (laughs) you know? Um, And so, I just feel like that's an important thing to mention as we are having this conversation around how we find growth and purpose that there are these ways that we can support ourselves in that expansion. And it, it can be counterintuitive or counter conditioning, you know, because these are not the ways that we are naturally taught to go about things. We're really just taught to go through in this traditional way that, you know, whatever you're doing behind closed doors is something you should be comfortable telling people about and participating with other people in. And when we're exploring new facets of ourselves, we can't always do that, right? Um, the ecstatic dance you mentioned and intuitive movement are beautiful tools. For connecting with these parts of ourselves. And yes, they are ones that I use a lot. Uh, One of my favorite practices is putting on noise canceling headphones and getting the Bluetooth on and having my songs play there. And I've been known to creep out of our bed in the middle of the night while Mike is sleeping (laughs) and come in to my office. And it's definitely my sacred temple sort of space. Um, and I will just dance in here, and i I have all different kinds of music, you know, like different sensual ones where I'll be on the floor, rolling around and touching my body in different ways and that's one of the things with ecstatic dance right is it's it doesn't have to be this performative thing; it's about what letting your body speak right what does your body feel that it wants to do? I'd be curious to know where you. your practices. So you mentioned intuitive movement, intuitive dance. I'd love to hear if there are others. And then where you came across them, especially having lived what you described as a more traditional life from the outside. Like how does one on the traditional path become aware of these other modalities and methods of exploration and expression.
1: Well, uh, Google, first of all, and deleting your search history when you're looking at things like a static dance. Like, okay, nobody's looking at the internet, but I don't want them to know that I'm looking up fire rituals or whatever. And I live in a very religious town. And our local librarians, I I'm sure I've made quite the sensation with the books that I've ordered. And I love that you said that you sneak out of bed and you dance and you put in headphones. I do the same thing. I get my boys to sleep and I co-sleep with them and some nights I'm like, I just need to, I just need to like exist for a second. I, I, I crawl out of bed and I found, um, candles and fire to be a very wonderful, natural space holder for me. And so if I turn off the lights and I light candles, it just keeps me, it keeps me so grounded, so centered. And I light a candle, and I'll play music. And thankfully, um, my my boys sleep through everything, <laughs> so I can. I'll put on music, and sometimes it's it's sad, and I have playlists that make me cry, and then others make me feel confident and angsty and just like I don't you know I don't give a fuck anymore and I just end up moving and dancing and just really experiencing it all and I think that even so much because I'm so passionate about personal growth and healing so much of the advice out there is is a lot of mind work it's a lot of understanding our thoughts, our emotions, our thought patterns, all of that. And that is wonderful, but we can get so stuck in that. And there's something so beautiful and to me more healing through just letting it out, letting it out through movement, through singing through ripping up paper, whatever it is, like getting that out of yourself can be so healing. So that's a huge part of my own practice if you'd call it and learning about it. The biggest step is is opening yourself up to it when you're living a, you know, otherwise traditional life, just allowing yourself to even say it out loud, even if it's just a whisper, you know, that I am this or I'm interested in this or I feel this. Like you said, saying that out loud just takes away so much of that external power and lets you own it because it's coming from inside of you, you know, through your voice.
0: Yeah. I would love to segue this conversation. I mentioned at the top of the show about Being a highly sensitive person or an HSP. And so I think these tools that both you and I have begun learning about and tapping into in the last couple of years have given our bodies and our nervous systems a way to acknowledge our feelings and to process them in a way that feels safe. I'd love to hear your experience. Mine being an HSP has been spending a lot of my life dulling my senses, numbing them out, whether through using alcohol or just. Just swallowing, you know, just like nope, hold it together, swallow the tears, don't think about it, think about something else. Let's distract ourselves. Right. So, these ways of just kind of dulling it down. I remember when my mom told me I was an HSP because she was a highly sensitive person. And so, I was lucky to have her tell me, I think I must have been in high school. And I was like, Wh- what? I mean, in one way, I was like, oh, yeah, this is me to a T. And then I was like, I don't want this to be me. This is going to make my life hard. It had already felt hard in many ways, being a highly sensitive person in a world where a lot of my friends at least didn't appear to be. I didn't feel like I had anyone that felt as deeply, as strongly as I did. But I really, in my adulthood, have begun to see it as a great gift. And I know at least my oldest son, Bruce, is an HSP too. So helping to find ways to support him. But I'd, I'd love to hear your experience growing up as an HSP. Maybe when you realized you were highly sensitive, did you dull it as I did? And how have these new modalities of healing and expressing yourself supported you in embracing being highly sensitive?
1: Oh man, well, working backwards a little bit, I have to say it has been the most freeing thing allowing myself to fully feel and to fully experience, and to fully express, because absolutely, I spent my whole life just swallowing it down. And what it did for me is it turned into these thick chains of anxiety, these inner dialogues and ways of talking to myself that kept me pushed down, completely ruined my self-esteem, my sense of self at all. Like I went until my adult life without a sense of self. And to be that kind of ghost of a person because you don't want to draw attention to yourself and your feelings. Um, Also because I grew up in a very abusive home and environment. So my highly sensitive nature was a bit of a target. (laughs) So... So I also had that extra layer of don't show your feelings because not only are they bad, but they affect other people and they'll use it against you. So I've had to do so much relearning about what feelings are, about what the experience of being highly sensitive means and is, and that it doesn't mean I'm broken, that it's this incredible power. I mean, to experience everything in life so fully and deeply And my children, too, are, my oldest definitely is, and I suspect my youngest is, highly sensitive. Becoming a mother and seeing that in them and and just feeling so fiercely protective of that in them has really helped me find that in myself and being an advocate for myself. Um, But I think it's something I still struggle with, and it's something that I have to work really hard to rewrite all of those narratives in my head and movement and feeling and crying you know like really allowing myself i do a lot of journaling and i love stream of consciousness journaling where you just put pen to paper and you just start writing and after about three pages of nonsense or just writing boring stuff suddenly it all starts to flow your handwriting gets sloppier and you're just letting it all out um, which is another form of movement and expression for me all of those things where i don't think so hard because when I think, I'm stuck inside those chains in my head, right? So whenever I'm able to bypass those through movement, through expression in that way. And then getting out in the world and really feeling things and giving my space to do that. I love going out in nature, being surrounded by trees and grass and especially water. When you go out in that and you're just surrounded by it, you can't help but your senses be turned on. And and allowing myself to just cry if I feel like we stumbled upon a small river. The other week, my boys and I, and I just started crying. And then my oldest, of course, he's also highly sensitive and saying crying happy tears is just like a regular saying around tears. And then he starts tearing up and then we're just like crying at this river. (laughs) So having those experiences are (laughs) magical. They are.
0: I love that you took it in that direction, too, because I often think when we hear the term highly sensitive. We think of all the ways you could be offended or hurt or brought down. And it's true, like, right, it can work that way. But on the flip side, you can feel this heightened ethereal sense and this ecstatic nature running through your body. And so I love that you brought that up, too, because often the things that are hard for us can also be the pathways to the brightest light. And so, like you said, just this gift of this flowing water and how you just felt it in every part of your body and it brought you joy, just unbridled, overflowing joy and that that's such a gift to be able to
1: feel that. I have to say, I talked to my oldest, he's um, six, and told him that we were going to be talking today and he wanted to know about what and I told him, you know, we're going to be talking about connecting with ourselves and our bodies and our feelings and he tells me, he says, "Well, that's simple. Just tell all of them to be wild and free, and to dance and just be naked like I do." <laughs> oh, yes, I absolutely.
0: I love that, and it's true. Like that's really what we should be at our core. So right? I, I feel like this can segue to the final thing I want to discuss today, which is our shared love for witchy magic for outlander for time travel for past lives and the way i feel like it does relate is the eccentric nature of whatever it is right like being naked being wild and free being in magic being in circle being unbridled again like that that word keeps coming up for me now as i think of us really tapping into our joy and our senses and these other parts of ourselves Um, and i know that women's circles have done that for me. I think they have done that for you. And I know the show Outlander with, with our favorite man, Jamie Fraser, <laughs> has also created some of that feeling in us Um, and the time travel that happens in that show. And just, there's so many cool layers. So it might seem like a strange thing if you're listening to this podcast, like, why are they talking about this show? And I've never seen it before. If you haven't, go watch it. <laughs> you won't regret it. But I would love to hear, I don't know, for, for me, it was women's circles really brought me into the space of, um, and, and it was the show too, that Outlander, the show, they talk about different types of witchcraft, right? Like witches are not right. these evil creatures. They are actually women hundreds of years ago who were close to living with cycles, close to nature, knowledge of herbs really just being in their power, right? And syncing with the moon and different things like that. And so that's something that was brought up in the show. One of the main characters, Claire, has, you know, she's known as a white witch, a healer. So yeah, just curious about your path and if did that kind of feed you into the more mystical, magical world and learning about witches and feeling like you've identified with them, feeling like, I know I have been a witch in a past life. But just that inner knowing of like, I've lived that before. This is something that my soul knows about deeply, which can sound strange to some people, right?
1: Right. Uh, It reminds me, I've been doing ancestry research, like genealogy, for like 20 years, a long time since I was a teenager. And I was researching a particular branch of my Scottish relatives recently. And it was kind of a new branch that I hadn't looked at. Um, you would think 20 years that I'd seen it all, but it, it takes a long time. You have a lot of ancestors. And I was looking at this new branch in this area that they were from, and I was just felt this excitement and this pull towards this area. And I was so happy. And the very first thing that came up in a Google search about the area that they lived in, is that it was the home of the most notorious witch-burning places in Scottish history. And an entire, an essentially entire village of women were wiped out. And this is where my ancestors were from. And I had I had to just stop. I can feel myself tearing up now even thinking of it. Just the impact, even if my direct ancestors, even if my blood wasn't directly impacted, although I'm, I'm positive it was in some way, Imagine just living in that environment where you can't meet with other women. You can't stand. I mean, standing side by side, just two women together without a man present was considered witchcraft. And just the trauma that we all carry from these things is huge. And it's something that's never been able to be healed in us and something that I'm working to heal in myself because, you know, they talk about the witch wound and and carrying that weight of being persecuted just for you know, especially being highly sensitive for feeling deeply, for connecting to the earth deeply, to our children deeply, even in relationships, whether that's with a man or other women or whatever it is, it's just been wiped out. And reclaiming that does it, it is a weird thing in this society. It's uncomfortable. Like I said, I, I deleted a lot of Google searches just when I first started because it feels like such a taboo thing that you're not allowed to even explore, which just shows how powerful this this witch wound is. And for me, Man Outlander and, and that whole learning about, I'm sure you feel the same having so much Scottish ancestry, learning about the um, locations and the people and so much of it is based on history and ways of living then was really powerful for me it makes everything feel more validated especially having her being a healer and the other character her friend that now i'm totally drawing a blank on a <laughs> Gay- who turns out yes gayless be, thank yeah. you yes and gayless her character you know everything's portrayed in such a way of it really plays on your own taboos watching it even like you sympathize with these characters because they're the main character i mean of course you do But it really brings your own uncomfortableness to light and to the surface, I feel like, as you're watching it, because you find yourself saying like, wait, but that's not wrong. But wait, that's how it should be. You know, this feels so backwards what they're doing but then realizing that it's still so backwards now and connecting with nature and and herbalism and you know nature's medicine has been something that's been a huge part of my journey and discovering the relationships we can have with plants and with the healing medicines that are all around us has been huge for me. And even though that's a little bit more of an accepted taboo, it's still a bit of a taboo that people find strange. Yeah, taking, you know, and I still take Tylenol or whatever, but taking something from a plastic bottle that you get at the store compared to knowing a plant and harvesting a plant Drawing it yourself is just it's so backwards. And it's something that I think all of us have to relearn a bit for ourselves because it's not something that's been clearly a path that's been clearly cut out of how to heal from this and reconnect with that witchy side of us, you know, and, and circles. I was gonna say, I've now that I know what circling is, I've definitely been a part of circles since I was even young in the community I grew up in. I'm really grateful that so much of it was still carried on in the way women gathered and you know, it might have looked like knitting circles. It might have looked like women joining for church groups or whatever. But that underlying current of women connecting, it it was never about the thing that they were there for. And it always led into into more, you know, the conversation expanded. So I was really lucky to have that. And I have this particular memory when I was, I think, 16 or 17. And I have no idea what made me do it. i had never actually been exposed to anything about connecting with the moon or anything like that. But I convinced my friends and my sisters to randomly go outside with me in the middle of the night. And I announced to them that we were going to go out and have a ceremony for the moon goddess. And I made them all put on their flowiest dresses and come outside and we, we worshipped the moon goddess and what we wrote intentions on pieces of paper and our deepest wishes on pieces of paper. And we buried them under a tree that was blossoming. And what seemed like silly fun at the time ended up affecting all of us and having a huge impact that still I feel that gathering in such an intentional way, it felt like, you know, that that veil that we talk about kind of blew open a little bit and and made me realize how much depth there was to what I was feeling and that it wasn't all just silly. So that would be something I, I would encourage anybody feeling this little pull of curiosity to follow it because we have those curiosities for a reason. Those curiosities come up because there's something deep inside of us calling for more and wanting to connect with something and you never know where it will lead and it's good when it leads there, <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's this ancient remembering I always describe when, when women come into circle. And I love that story that you initiated that beautiful night with your friends. Um, and it just brings to mind two moments of me growing up. And yeah, like I'd picture myself in some white gauzy kind of gown, dancing in the moonlight under the stars. And now as an adult woman, I find any opportunity I can to do these things and to gather up. Right. Hey, yes. To do it with me um, because it is so powerful. I'd love to kind of wrap up with this question Is there any advice that you would have for anyone? Because I do feel that we spent a lot of time talking about finding growth and purpose through hardship. You know, we explored other facets and ways that we can step into our expression or bring magic and draw that into our lives. But anyone who is experiencing a chapter or a season of their life where they're feeling stuck or they're feeling like they're not really living in alignment with their truth, a first step or something that they can do to create a sense of safety for themselves and being able to
1: do that. Yes. Well, I think the first step to again first step to growth to exploring a new path is always going to be through darkness i think it's always going to be getting in touch with what are you feeling angry about what are you feeling stuck because the that feeling of stuck is really often looks like apathy and and not feeling you know being numb going through life but we numb ourselves to avoid that darkness to that you know that shadow that we've gotten ourselves so finding ways to feel safe, and maybe that looks like therapy, maybe that looks like circling, maybe that looks like coaching, you know, maybe that looks like lighting a candle in your living room when your kids are asleep in bed, because I've been there. And I I loved your advice about swamping. Is that what it's called? I've done that for years, and I didn't know there was a term for it. Really leading yourself through these emotions, I think, is the first place to start, because we can't we can't start to grow until we let that armor, like you talked about, let that armor fall away and it has to decompose first. And from that decomposition is what we grow from. And not to be scared of it because I think we we get these sensations in our bodies. We feel this tightness. We feel this anxiety coursing through us or just this tense fear of letting anything in and letting anything out and realizing that we're still whole and that that center of us, that core of ourselves is not actually as affected by those sensations in our body as we think that they are. And if we see it as just this constant flow in and out of us, and that we are safe, that we are unchanged regardless of how the external changes and even how our thought patterns change, it can feel a lot safer.
0: Beautiful advice. Beautiful advice. Thank you so much, Marie. And you mentioned Swamping. I will just mention for anyone listening, I talk about that in episode two, and I actually offer a freebie there in the show notes. So if you go back to episode two show notes, it's about seasons and cycles. There's a sacred release freebie there. And if you're interested in hearing more about what Swamping is and how you can do it yourself, there's a little bit of support there for you. Last question, Marie, that I'm asking all of my guests on the podcast and that is, what is a little scrap of magic in your life right now?
1: Um, goodness. One is finding myself laying between my boys at night and snuggling and nursing my youngest with my oldest at my back. And he likes to draw pictures on my back and have me guess what they are. And just that feeling of just being nested together is just the best thing in the world. And then another thing that maybe is a little more mundane, but that I love is we have a maple tree out front and it hang one of its branches hangs really low. And whenever I go outside and I'm taking my dog out or the boys are playing, I often stand close to that. And that surprise of the wind blowing it a little bit and the maple leaves brushing against my face or my shoulder is just like, The sweetest connection to nature, just feeling that, you know, nature reaching out to us too, not just us reaching out to nature.
0: I love that. And you mentioned earlier on about nature being medicine in a variety of ways, like actually plant medicine that you can take and ingest and it can heal you or that you can apply on your body and it can soothe itching or pain, but also just being immersed in it or just making contact with it is healing to our nervous systems and our spirits and our souls. And thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation today, being so open. I would love if you would share with any listeners where they can find you. And we'll put that all in our show notes too.
1: Yes, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Um, you can find me on my website, wherewildgrows.com. I have a podcast, Where Wild Grows, and Instagram, which is where.wild.grows. And then I also have at um, Mama in the Rain on Instagram, where I share more of my, my mom's side and my my personal stuff too.
0: Awesome. And we are about to hop off this recording and head on over to another <laughs> recording where I will be on Rae's podcast. So once that's all sorted, by the time you're listening to this, that will be all sorted and we will be sharing both recordings so that you can listen to the rest of the conversation. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. It's such an honor to be invited into your space. If you love today's show, subscribe and leave a review so you don't miss a thing. And if you wanna create some magic in your life right now, if you're longing to connect with your power and stillness, ready to embark on a healing spiritual journey, then my upcoming retreat, WITHIN, happening November 3rd through the 6th in Castro Valley, California, is just what you need. I'm co-hosting this retreat with my soul sisters and fellow wise women, Christine Lou sine of Breathe With Teen and Tanisha Baines of The Rooted Experience. Enjoy organic meals, healing breathwork and sound baths, wild invitations for play, intuitive movement, and deeply connected sisterhood. There's a link to learn more and book your room in my show notes for this episode. And as a thank you for being a listener, you can use code Little Scraps of Magic for 10% off. Until next time keep looking for those little scraps of magic.